Coming up, it's our Christmas special. In the special, we take a break from the news to discuss the elements of a Christmas event at an attraction. From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is our weekly episode of Green Tagged Theme Park in 30, covering the top theme park news from each week. Enjoy the show. From our studios in sunny San Diego and also probably sunny San, sunny Tampa, this is Green Tag Theme Park in 30. I'm Philip, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Scott Swenson. Scott, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Philip. I guess I today I'm the co-ho-ho host. Co-ho-ho-ho host. Co-ho-ho-ho-ho. <laughs> anyway, it's, and it's actually, and it's Boxing Day. It's actually, we're actually recording this the day after Christmas. So, you know. Don't give away our secrets. No, we were just holding it to, to you know, to okay. make it an extra special Christmas. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's, it's Christmas Day. <laughs> I'm hallucinating. Uh, <laughs> wink, wink, right? <laughs> uh-huh. It's Christmas Day. Uh, but it's pretty darn close, you know, and let's, let's be honest, you know, when we're in this industry, um, this is, this is kind of what I've been thinking about this whole Christmas week is, you know, when you're in the industry, Christmas starts in what, February, March, um, that's when you start the planning process. So, so this year, because I was working on, I, I don't know about you, but I was, because I was working on so many different, um, holiday projects or Christmas projects, Christmas both snuck up on me and seemed almost inconsequential. And <clears throat> when it's over, wink, 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 uh, it's almost like, wow, where where did that go? Did I have the time to actually experience the holiday or enjoy it? And and so it's it's kind of like this this wonderful double edged sword where all year long I've been working on Christmas and opened f- four different one one four different ones, and then I've got a New Year's a New Year's event coming up as well. And um, it's kind of like you know I I certainly don't get to go out and enjoy Halloween very often because I'm usually working it. And and Christmas, it, because I am you know a self admitted Christmasaholic. Hi, my name's Scott, and I'm a Christmasaholic. Um, it's one of those it's one of those situations where by the time it's over, you kind of go, oh wait, I didn't I didn't get to do this, and I I didn't. Oh, I'll have to wait till next year to yeah. do that, and and that sort of thing. So it's been a really interesting it's been a really interesting season for me. Um, and it's not that it's the first time this has happened. This happens, you know, pretty much every year. But this year it was especially true because it, it just, I had so many events coming up and, and had been working on them all in all different parts of the country. So it was like, oh, oh, today, today's Christmas, got it. And, uh, or today's Christmas Eve. And, you know, you think back and you go through all of the the traditional things that you've done as kids and you think back to all the memories of the the family Christmas has gone by and, and uh, so it's, it's been this sort of whirlwind of two days without me really doing anything, which seemed odd because um, I spent so much time getting light displays ready and, you know, things built up and all that. So that's kind of been my, <clears throat> my recent, uh, recent vibes on the last couple of days. How about you, Philip? You, you know, you normally are done. Your main beat is, is Halloween usually. And, and by the time Christmas hits, you still do a lot of Christmas events, but you're doing them as a more as a participant and a, uh, uh, an outside view versus an inside view. Have you felt any of these same things or has it been completely different for you? Well, I, Yes, different in that I'm not, you know, producing them, correct, but also similar in that it's it seems like 
uh, I feel like it used to be we got a little bit more time or it used to be a little bit of a break, but it's, it's, you know, attractions are pulling out Christmas as, as soon as they can. And maybe it's just this year because people were trying to make up for ticket sales. But it, in many cases, it was literally a one week. And, uh, you know, pe- they was like, the team was working on Christmas in the back, like behind the Halloween stuff, right? And then, you know, like you just unveil it and move it out. And then the next week it's already into Christmas. And this year I did a lot of Christmas haunts as well. That was a big thing. And I think it was pretty, it was sort of trending ish this year and this year there was uh the season screaming the halloween christmas convention in pasadena and there was uh, plenty of christmas haunts to go see so i did was out at christmas haunts events and so yes it it definitely though was one of those cases just like you where it's like (laughs) i was like i thought we were supposed to get a break from all this coverage and then it ends up being oh every weekend there is a thing that's uh, supposed to be a christmas halloween or a regular christmas to go see and then at the end you look at your your list of events and it's like oh i didn't get to half of these <laughs> right right well and no you're absolutely right the the halloween into christmas is something that that theme parks i think kind of led the way a while back but now it's trending with just about everybody and my guess is that next year it's going to be even more in fact um this is <clears throat> the first time i've actually announced this publicly but um i have i have been confirmed um that I will be doing a uh, seminar called Turning the Page um, from Halloween into Christmas at, at the Trans World Haunt Show, a Trans World Halloween Show this year, Halloween Christmas Show. I guess I'm doing both because I'm doing that transitional thing. But um, there was such an interest uh, in in making that sort of transition that um, when when I talked to uh, to Jen Braverman, she was like, "We got to do this. We got to we got to do a, a seminar on it. There's more and more interest in it, and." Um, she felt that I, you know, had enough experience in, in both and how to go one from the next. But what I think is happening now is I, I'm not even booking just one or the other. When I'm going to most of my clients, we're booking both of them because again, you have, because the turnaround time is so short and getting shorter and shorter each year. Um, I think you actually have to plan them as a single event that, that flips. So you, you use the same infrastructure or much of the same infrastructure and then, um, change the content. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because <clears throat> I've always said Halloween events are easy. Christmas events are hard. Um, because I, in my, my own personal opinion with Halloween, you can, you can scare people. You can scare people a lot of different ways. And one way to scare people isn't necessarily going to offend someone who's not necessarily, not necessarily scared by that. But Christmas is so personal that mm. it's it's really tricky. And then, of course, for people who don't celebrate Christmas, you know, we don't want to, we have to tread lightly. And some of my clients have been very good about that. Um, in fact, two of the events that I did are not, were not Christmas events at all. They were winter events, which was uh, Franklin Frost at, yeah. at, at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia, and then um, snowed in at um, Sparkman Wharf here in Tampa. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's interesting because I think the, I think the nuts and bolts of Christmas are are at least predictable, but the content is tricky. I mean, you know, I, at least in my opinion, I want to always try to capture something that's going to be heartfelt at Christmas time. But heartfelt memories are all over the place because everybody has their own personal view of what was heartfelt, what made it heartfelt, um, who am I missing this holiday season. Uh, who is the new, you know, the, the new little one in my family? And if you've if you've just had a child, or you've just, you know, 
um, moved out on your own, your, your Christmas experience is vastly different. And uh, so it's, it's tricky from a content standpoint, I think. Mm. Mm. And I think that, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, like, for example, Disney has always done so well with Christmas because Disney is all about they're going to do the the history and the generational content that they've had with people. But I think even they had challenges this year because it's it's been such a wacky year. You know, I went back and looked at at uh, my history of Christmas over the last few years. And we had in 19, we had probably the last last big family Christmas. And I come from a small family, but, you know, we had cousins and and parents and aunts and um and we got us all in the same building and then all of a sudden 20 was a rug pull and we celebrated it in masks around my mom's pool you know um staying six feet away so i i think that christmas content is really challenging this year um but i think the nuts and bolts of it are still pretty much the same um, you know, and I, and I think we need to be kind of true to our, our intent here. Cause I know that we, we said this is going to be kind of a, let's just share what we think is, is important in Christmas events. And, yeah. and my fear is I'm going to ramble on for way too long. So I'm going to, I'm going to require you to keep me in my, uh, in my little box. You know, you keep me in a spreadsheet mo- format, Philip. Well, I think coming to the theme of it, I think that is the big, the big crux of it, right? It, it, it's, it's the big, um, differentiator between Halloween and Christmas, obviously, but the content challenges, like you mentioned, um, I don't know. I, I think the challenge is more not that, um, let me back up a few steps. So I've interviewed some haunters. I've interviewed some attendees. I've kind of interviewed people all around kind of just asking them, getting the feel for people. Like, what do you look for in a Christmas event and what makes Halloween different from Christmas? And why do you like spooky Halloween and all that? And kind of what comes up over and over is that a, Halloween is for friends and B Christmas is for family, Mm. you know, so it's a different target market. It's different people you go with. Um, and a Halloween is creative and, and Christmas is traditional. Mm -hmm. And so I think the challenge with the content is Christmas is traditional. And in our, I guess, you know, in Northern America, traditional Christmas is pretty well established out there. You know, we kind of know what traditional Christmas is like. And I think the problem that therein is the challenge is that traditional Christmas has its, its stockings for say, you know, has its trappings, its wrappings and making yourself stand out and kind of utilizing the unique aspects of your venue in light of the traditional wrappings. I think that makes it almost more of a, of a creative challenge than with a haunt where, you know, it's kind of like the sky's the limit in many ways, you know, right. um, I, I agree a hundred percent, but I think, you know, when we talk about, I agree that, that, uh, that Christmas needs to tie into tradition, <clears throat> but then you have to say, then you have to ask the question of which tradition it yes, used to be that when, yeah. when, when guests, um, you know, going back in the, the sixties and seventies, people would think of traditional Christmas as as shortbread Christmas tree cookies. No, um, would, they would think of traditional Christmas as like Dickens. You know, that was that was the the tradition back then. Then it became uh, traditional Christmas is a Christmas story. You know, it's that that golden era, late fifties, early sixties, late forties. Sorry, forties into fifties, spilling over into early sixties. That vibe. That's traditional Christmas. And now there's the Elf generation. So that that Elf and Christmas Vacation are the traditional 
Christmas. So it's it's really tricky. And especially when you're trying to, as you say, bring families together, which demographic, you know, which <clears throat> which uh, age level of the family do you go after? Um, I, see, I think the, the simplest way to do that is to make sure that Christmas is visually impactful. Um, auditorially, it needs to be, it needs to sound like Christmas. Yeah, it sound like Christmas. And it needs to smell like Christmas. And I know that sounds really stupid and basic, but in all of the stuff that we've done, we've had these exact same conversations. And it's like, for example, with Franklin Frost, there, uh, and I can talk about it now because it's been produced. Um, that whole event is about trains because they didn't want to deal. They didn't want to deal with a Christmas event. They wanted it to be a holiday event that everybody, no matter what you celebrated, could enjoy. And you know, we had that discussion about are trains appropriate for Christmas? And pretty much everybody across the board said, "Well, I always think of toy trains when I think of Christmas time, whether they actually had one or they just saw one in a movie somewhere." Um, now Polar Express, of course, helps that significantly, but, uh, so you have to find those things that are traditional, but traditional more abstractly, I guess. Um, you know, I think that's, <clears throat> I think that's the big challenge. I go back to my friends. Uh, I had a friend who was, uh, the marketing director at the, at the Goodman Theater in Chicago. And you talk about tradition every single year, Goodman Theater would produce, um, a Christmas Carol. And it was, mm -hmm. and, and they had to keep finding new ways to make it fresh because it was the same script. And if they didn't do the same script, the, the audiences went ballistic because it was the same, you know, it was their Christmas tradition, whether it was that or Nutcracker in Chicago, though, it was, it was Goodman's Christmas Carol. And, um, mm -hmm. my friend was at marketing was like, I don't know how to make this fresh and new each year. So what he started to do is he started to focus on one tiny element that was perhaps an overlooked element in previous years. He never left the tradition of the show, but he would focus on Tiny Tim's crutch or he would focus on um, Christmas, the, the ghost of, of Christmas present and its opulence. And he, or he would So that way he could create a new look each year to bring something new to the old tradition. Yeah. Um, and you know, when I was, when I was a kid, they started doing, um, well back then it was called colorblind casting, but now it's, uh, they, they basically don't cast based on, on race. Yeah. Um, and it's, that was a huge change for the traditionalists to deal with back in the, in the late seventies, early eighties. Um, but they have, you know, they've come to embrace it now and that's the new tradition. So I, I, I think you're absolutely correct. I think you have to play into the tradition, but I think you have to find those um, common denominators. And I, yes. like I said, I think, it's, I think it's visual. I think it's what, it's what you see, it's what you hear, and it's what you smell. And yeah. I would put what you taste in there too. I think smell and taste kind of run yeah. hand in hand. Um, but I think you need, from a content standpoint, you need to address all of those. Yes, yeah. And I, I was thinking as you were talking, thematically speaking, I, I would say another thing I've noticed is that you know, choosing your tradition, like like you're mentioning how difficult it is, and everyone has a different place they're coming from when they arrive at your event in a different house and whatnot. But I think that the answer to that is looking to the community for the local tradition there, which in your example, is a perfect example, because that's him, that's them saying, this is what, you know, we are a tradition in our local community, how can we still keep it a fresh thing? But how can we still 
look at that. And I think of, to, to use the sample that Scott worked on that I noticed was the zoo and how each area is a different traditional Christmas area. But you have areas for your Spanish-speaking demographic because that's a big piece of the local culture. You're going to sing Feliz Navidad. You're going to do that. And you're not going to do that in other places. And I think that kind of thing is how you, you decide on your traditions. And my family, we saw on Christmas Eve, we saw the Ebenezer Scrooge's uh, like great San Diego Christmas show. It, basically, it's a local retelling of the a Christmas Carol where the characters are from history and it's the Ebenezer in the story is the person who built the theater and who kind of founded Babylon Park and and it's all that story around them and there's still all the characters it's still the the similar lines but they 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 in so they update it every year it's a long standing tradition but they update the script with like new jokes that are relevant for what happened in the past year you know and kind of just adjust it but they keep the premise and I like also how they how far they go. You know that one of the the famous iconic scenes, you know, is is um, Scrooge has comes in in the final scene in his skin tight bathing suit. You know, says so this old Scrooge in his bathing suit. And he's like, because it's San Diego, and then he has a surfboard and he has candy canes and flip flops, and he's like, because this is how we could celebrate. Because you know, it's seventy two degrees outside, and it's like, you know, they they kind of take whatever temperature is right now, and they kind of work that into the script. It's. I think it's those things. It's understanding the tradition of your local market. Right. And we talk about this with Halloween too, you know, with local go all that kind of stuff. But like, this is just understanding, you know, what does your local audience, how do they celebrate? And then which one of them are coming to your attraction and making sure that you're, they see their tradition in your event. And I think another thing that you have to take into consideration too, is if you are going to do something that is, is new or, pushing the boundaries a little bit, how do you tie it back to, to tradition? Um, since you mentioned Zoo Tampa, um, I'll, I'll bring up another element that we started um, last year and continued again this year and continues to be incredibly successful um, across all age demographics. And that is a show that we did called Improvise. And Improvise yes. is an improvisational uh, comedy show where uh, through audience participation, the, the two performers, the cast of two, make up Christmas carols um, to the tunes of well-known traditional Christmas carols. And there's a, th but they're all Christmas carols that tie back to things that everybody would know. I mean, there's not a single new melody in the entire show. Everybody knows them like the back of their hand. And one of the, <clears throat> one of the, I call it the linchpin or one of the things that really holds the show together is one of the songs is the 12 days of Christmas, which I think so many people now, when they think of the 12 days of Christmas, they start to eye roll a little bit going, oh gosh, that song goes on forever. And um, the way it's done in Improvise is it plays up um, or actually counteracts that it goes on forever um, in the fact that the two performers have no idea what the audience is going to tell them is the gift for that particular day. So nothing is pre-planned. It is on the fly. It becomes very chaotic. Um, and it just becomes a bunch of silliness. And when they finish, you know, the 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 performers look at each other and goes, that was more like the 12 days of chaos than the 12 days of Christmas. But what it does is it takes tradition and kind of turns it on its ear. So it's traditional enough, but still makes it fresh. And uh, there are, um, so I actually had <clears throat> the opportunity to fill in one night as one of the performers in that show. And, uh, you know, with an improv background, it was really fun for me. But... Uh, every single show, obviously, other than the first one, we had people returning to see the show again. 
uh, in the same night because they had they said this is so much fun we wanted to see what you'd come up with next we wanted to see if it was really all made up or if it was scripted and believe me it was all made up and uh, so i think what we've done is by taking the tradition of christmas caroling and adding a twist to it i think we may have created a new local tradition kind of like the show you were talking about uh when the retelling of the scrooge story so i i guess the the message there is go yeah. don't be afraid to don't be afraid to push the limits but you can't break the limits on on tradition you can add new twists but you have to make sure that you still remain reverent to um the the tradition itself I love that show and it makes me wonder, Scott, how important do you think play is to a Christmas event? Like playing together. Cause that's what, what you know, when I sit there and watched improvise, that's what I, it felt to me like the, the, the parents were laughing at the kids and the, the, cause the kids were like, you know, coming up with ridiculous answers. And then you would have to, they'd have to raise their hand every time the day came to them and the parents were going along with it. So it felt like they were playing together and put, making something together in play. And so I'm wondering how, how important is that? Oh, I think it's essential. I think it's absolutely essential. I mean, if you think about it, going back to the concept of what is traditional, what is not. On Christmas Eve, you know, I think back to my childhood and we always would open one present on Christmas Eve and it was always something we could do or something we could read or something we could play together as a family. And um, so when we were looking at, and, and I'm glad you caught that as far as improvise go, but throughout that event, that was kind of a, a, a guiding principle. We wanted people, we wanted young people to be able to do things and specifically things with the rest of their family. So there was another show um, that was Mrs. Claus and she was decorating cookies, but you could also buy a cookie cookie decorating kit so that the kids could actually decorate cookies with Mrs. Claus. Um, we had a section called the Reindeer Games, which was um, uh, Randolph the Reindeer, which was a, a uh, life-size baby reindeer puppet. And then surrounding him were, uh, you know, carnival or funfair style games um, where there was like, you know, the um, tic-tac snow, where it was like a giant tic-tac-toe board or, or put the ornaments away where you toss them into baskets in the tree. Or we even had what we called eula hoops out for the kids to play with. And it was just a wonderful play area. We had a kids, uh, kids DJ with dance facilitators out there. So it was all about making sure the kids had something to do or had, a, had some sense of play that tied directly to the holiday season. And not only that we think it's important for the holiday, but also we had parents who were very grateful saying, you are burning off some of our children's uh, holiday yep. energy um, to you know, get them to do stuff. And you know, it, it's, I think that I'm, I'm really proud in the fact that this year, all the events I worked on, I thought looked beautiful. I thought all of them had a, a lovely visual impact, but I was especially proud of, of Zootampa because it gave, it was very interactive. It gave people something to do. Snowed in at Sparkman Wharf, um, which was again, not a Christmas event. That was a winter holiday event, but all of the atmosphere, all the entertainment was atmosphere except for one show per night. And all the atmosphere entertainment was completely interactive with, with uh, kids and their families. So I, I think that's a very good point, Philip, is that, that play is kind of essential in a, in a Christmas event yeah, um, because it gets, <clears throat> it gets the families working together. Yes. And I think that's, it, and it's an interesting little deviation because I think play and immersive, you know, the concept of immersive and play are very close, but what you just said 
right there in terms of families playing together. I think that is the Christmas demarcation. So, you know, if it's if it's if you are targeting a family event, then the play has to be able to be multi-generational versus like something that could be immersive, but could be immersive for older people or for younger. You know, it's the really trick is getting them in the middle, you know, and that's that's very difficult to do without kind of like breaking the illusion or you know making it too cheesy or too campy, you know, and I play, I think, was at the center of the Gaylord experience this year. Mm -hmm. It used to be a walkthrough display of ice and whatnot. But this year, because of you know, the, the visa problem, we talked about that, they couldn't get the, the ice mm -hmm. carvers over. They transitioned over into a full play experience. And you go through with your family in your group, and you go through all the different scenes from the Elf movie. And you there's a little, you know, like, Christmas spirit meter and you have to achieve little goals in each area where you play together and it raises that spirit meter. And there's, it was quite an array, you know, there's like playing out Christmas tunes on a giant piano. There is throwing snowballs, you know, doing a snowball fight. There is singing together. There's a little area where you sing a carol together. You know, it's kind of all the, um, baking cookies together. You know, you have a little thing where you uh, put ingredients into a bowl and then you put your name and name your cookie and then it pops up on the screen. So um, kind of very advanced play in that, say, more, more like a museum kind of play together than Scott's, which is the very, very improv and very, very actors driven. You know, this is less actor driven and more ex exhibition, but it's the same through line of families playing together to get through this experience. Yeah, it's the same North Star. And I think that what is interesting is um, there there was a time, there was a generation where it was like, let's have something for the kids to go do while the adults stick. To, so we, we, they'd separate and the kids, the kids would go do the kids stuff and the adults would go do the adult stuff. But the, the current generation uh, of parents is getting further and further away from that. And I saw that over and over again, both at Zootanza yeah. and at... Uh, at snowed in and, and, uh, it's, I, and even, um, when I was in, when I was in Houston, even space center, Houston's galaxy lights is something that is very, um, and I, I don't want to say family friendly because family friendly used to mean, Oh, it's something for the toddlers, but now family friendly means it's something the family can do as a unit and it will, it won't be yes. too camp or too weird or too, um, sophisticated for anybody in the family. It's something that they can all do together. And at Snowed In, we had now Snowed In was a weird event because I didn't want to drive any attendance on Fridays and Saturdays. So it took place on Thursdays and it was uh, three Thursdays in a row. And we had multiple families bringing their kids back and their neighbors with kids back um, every night of the event because they were like, we just had so much fun last time. And it was, it's nothing specific, but it's just uh, we created an atmosphere of play and then provided the tools to create play. And the families had a great time playing together and taking photos. And, and so I think it's, I think it is the, the next generation. I think it's going to continue that um, if you want to do Christmas, you have to have an element of, of play. I think you're absolutely right. So yeah. is that, is that the, is that the fourth? So it's like, it has to look great, sound great. Um, taste and smell great and then have something where you can actually play together as a family. And I have one last ingredient to add in as we're kind of making our Christmas event cake here. And that is, I think that it needs some sort of uh, place where families can take that photo together. I know that's mm -hmm. kind of seems kind of, 
you know, but you know, again, back to what I heard from guests is they're going with their families and what the families want. They want memories and what are memories? They are pictures or <laughs> so there needs to be like, I think to your first point about the, it looks good, but also there's places that are photo ready and there's just neat exhibits. And even at Sir Henry's Haunted Christmas, he paid so much attention to photo ops for families in his area. And he made signs that said, Merry Christmas from Florida with a Krampus. That's fine, you know, and then light it up and you had the little, uh, you, you know, Scott got into the little elf prison and, you know, we poked him with candy canes. I mean, it was great. It was a great time. It was great fun. Yes, it's it's the way I want to spend a Friday afternoon or a Friday <laughs> evening. But, uh, no, but I agree with you 100%, Philip. And, and, you know, one of my other, one of my other uh, clients this year, I did some art direction for um, the Indianapolis Zoo. And one of the things that was new this year is instead of just saying, let's make it pretty, to your point, we have you have to spell out photo ops. And you have to have the yeah. photo op <laughs> tell a story. The, the photo op itself has to tell a story in a single image, and it has to have a logo from the event in the photo. Now, whether you're selling photos or not, you know, if you if you want to sell photos and put it in the frame or put it in a green screen background, that's fine. But you need those moments that people can take out their phones and click the picture, send it to grandma. Um, one of the ones that we did that was incredibly successful at the Indianapolis Zoo, over and above Santa Claus, because Santa Claus is always a huge hit. Um, but we did a photo op of a gingerbread family. And instead of just <clears throat> putting up these, these wonderful uh, statuary or wonderful sculptures of gingerbread people, we had a gingerbread sofa in the middle. And then we put the family up. So mom and dad are standing behind and the two, the two brother and sister are standing holding hands next to a gingerbread Christmas tree. And then looming up over the back, it said Christmas at the zoo at the Indianapolis zoo. There were people in line to take this photo. And we had several of those throughout the zoo. And again, it was because they all told stories. They all, it looked like when you got your photo taken, that you would just happen to be a guest of the gingerbread family. So that became an attraction in and of itself. So I agree, um, make it look good and then tell people specifically, here's where you take the picture. Well, gosh, um, that went by way too quick, didn't it, Philip? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. It went by almost as fast as the Christmas season. Um, I hope you found this helpful and and uh, and useful. And um, thank you all so very, very much for, for sticking with us for yet another year. And um, hopefully you'll continue to listen to us as we enter the new year. Um, on behalf of Philip and myself, uh, no matter what you celebrate, whether you are a, a Christmas celebrator, uh, Kwanzaa, solstice, Hanukkah, Halloween. Whatever. Halloween. Yeah, well, you celebrate Halloween year-round. Uh, whatever you celebrate, um, I hope that this season brings you happiness and health and joy. And uh, when it does, please spread it to other people. On behalf of Philip, this is Green Tag, Theme Park in 30. We'll see you next year. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production. <laughs>